Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host. Rob Radford. Two out RBI hits. And now Cole Calhoun. How about it? High fly ball. Deep right field. Betts is at the wall. It is gone! <laughs> Cole Calhoun crushes a three-run homer. And the Guardians have come all the way back to take the lead big time. What a day. What a day. What a way to kick off the day. Home run call of the day. Cole Calhoun goes deep. Matt Underwood with the call. Always a great time to have a home run call. Always a great way to start the day. Thank you, FanDuel. Thank you once again for powering us through the season, this great season, this great baseball season, which is truly, truly getting to where the rubber meets the road when it comes to these pennant race. We'll get to that in a second. But thank you, FanDuel, for being part of this whole brotherhood. Baseball isn't boring, brotherhood. At BB isn't boring. At BB isn't boring. In case you missed it, we have a contest up on the socials right now. Anybody in the Boston area who would like two tickets to the big Dodgers Red Sox game can go to the socials at BB isn't boring. We have a contest. All you have to do is give us your best ode to Joe Kelly. Yes, ode to Joe Kelly. Joe isn't able to make it. He's in Arizona rehabbing. But uh, but we want to we want to have a party for him because he's the godfather of baseballs and boring. So in lieu of that, we are doing a ode to Joe Kelly song or poem. Give it your best shot. It can be two seconds, five seconds, ten seconds, a minute, two minutes, whatever it is. But send it to at BB isn't boring, and the best one gets two tickets to the Dodgers Red Sox. Go to check that out. All right. Well, like we said, there's a lot going on pennant race-wise, news-wise. Big news. Big news. White Sox fire both Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams. All right. I'm not going to get too deep in that because... We have our boots-on-the-ground Uber White Sox fan expert, Courtney Finnecombe. She's going to weigh it. She is so fired up about this. So I don't want to spoil it for her. 
because uh, I, I want to do a separate podcast on it. So we're going to be talking to Courtney as we tape this today. Uh, so Courtney is, is uh, yes, she is fired up about it. It's going to be a great podcast and uh, a great reflection on exactly what's going on in the White Sox world. In other news... 17-year-old Ethan Salas, you remember him? He's a huge, huge international signing for the Padres. Well, he's 17 years old. Did I say this? He's 17 years old. He's in double-A, and he hit his first double-A hit. It was a walk-off home run. It's like, what? do a poll. How quick is this kid going to be in the major leagues? Is he going to be in the major leagues by 19? You got to think so. By 18? Maybe. And you keep an eye on that. That's of note. Also of note, win streaks, lo- losing streaks. Meredith win their eighth in a row. They're only game back in the AOS. Like we said yesterday, they're going to win. They're going to the playoffs, and they're going to win that division. Put it, Let it be said. Let it be done. As you go into yesterday, the four series they had coming up, the teams had a combined or a combined 137 games under 500. They are going to the playoffs. And also, if you didn't check it out, check out Brett Boone on the podcast, on the Baseballs and Boring podcast. And he had some great insight when he came to the Mariners and also going down this stretch drive for any team, especially a team like his 2001 Mariners, which were sort of, you know, they obviously cruising. At this point in the year, they had 92 wins already. Great perspective from Brett. All right. So another team that has won a bunch in a row. The Diamondbacks have now won four in a row. And they are in a wild card spot right now. They have reversed their fortunes. The Fighting Lovellos. Good for them. All right. A team that has not reversed their fortunes. The Yankees. They've lost nine in a row for the first time since 1982. And we also had Brett Boone talking about his uh, the plight of his brother, Aaron Boone, the manager, and he also was very, very good in terms of giving an impassioned defense of of what his brother's doing. Rightfully so, by the way, I think. I would not blame this on Aaron Boone, but we're going to have to see how things shake out there. All right, well, the Yankees and the other team in New York, the Mets, and a lot of other teams who have spent a lot of money who are falling out of it, the Padres, maybe the Red Sox, maybe, you know, whoever else, they are already looking to right their ship for next year. So one name that is going to be surfaced that we want to get out ahead for you is Yoshinobu Yakamoto. We talk a lot about free agents, and we look at the free agent list, and we're going to look at the free agent list all the live long day. But Yoshinobu Yamamoto is a guy who has to be at the top of every conversation. And no, it is in front offices all over the Major League ba- all over Major League Baseball. You can look at the pitchers in the free agent market. Shohei Itani, yes, of course, we're going to hear that he's going to be the headliner, no question about it. Blake Snell, Julio Urias, Lucas Giolito, Aaron Nola. You know, if, if they opt out, Eduardo Rodriguez, Marcus Stroman. So there's plenty of guys, plenty of pitchers, notable pitchers, go in the free agent market. But Yoshinobu Yamamoto may be the most coveted guy in this respect. He just turned 25. He is going for his third straight MVP. Not Cy Young, not the best pitcher, MVP in Japan. 
So we want to get to the bottom. We want to start the conversation. We want to to get to know Yoshinobu Yamamoto a little bit better. So who do we turn to? We turn to our guy, our international voice of international baseball for Baseballs and Boring, the guy who dominated the WBC and continues to dominate the WBC conversation, the guy who loves, 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 loves all things International baseball, all things baseball, but all things international baseball, and just is a dominant force when it comes to this conversation on social media and also in the WBC Central podcast. That, of course, is Sean Spradling. Let's start the Yoshinobu Yamamoto conversation and let's do it with the guy, the straw that serves a drink, the guy who is. Really, I think, is by the time we get to the next WBC, is going to be the most famous international baseball voice out there. And that's Sean Spradling. All right, here we go. Your first Yamamoto talk on baseballs and boring. You're welcome. All right, the straw that stirs a drink when it comes to all things international baseball. Our guy, the, the guy of the people, the guy who has, has put himself on, on the map as the voice of not only the world baseball classic, because that would be too myopic. That would be too, uh, that would be pigeonholing it. Sean Spradling is the voice of international baseball. There's a lot of voices. There's a few voices I should say, but Sean, um, I want to say it again. You dominated the WBC. Everyone knows it. Uh, and, and the joy that you had in covering it, came across which is a big thing which is lost on a lot of our, our journalistic world now uh but you're going to keep it going uh every single day well almost every single day for the next three years and so by the time by the time we hit there john oh my goodness like <laughs> i i can't even imagine even like this like six months out the excitement you're gonna have oh we i started covering the wbc and making content for this last WBC, roughly one calendar year before. So the fact that we're starting this three years before, it's going to be three times as big when 2026 comes around. How many Twitter followers do you have when you started? Uh, well, when I started, it was pretty much just my like my personal Twitter yeah. account. I had like like 500. Yeah, so now you have over 10,000. Yeah, about right. almost 15,000. 15,000, yeah. sorry. So I don't mean to shortchange. Almost, not quite. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's and, for, and that's hard, man. That's hard to do. It's hard to gain traction in anything because it's usually it's an oversaturated world, but we've talked about this. I mean, not only did you hit the sweet spot, but you did it so well. And and also at the event itself, I mean, that that you covered that so well. And um, and we've talked about the WBC. This isn't a WBC podcast, but this is we've talked about the WBC and how go looking back, Sean, it's funny because I haven't even thought of this until we started talking about it, about that Otani Trout moment. Like how we said, well, the the WBC, the jumping off point, this yeah. is going to be the propellant to not the propellant, this is not a word. Is, is this is going to propel <laughs> uh baseball like no other thing had done in March. And then you had the conversation of like which guys are going to do well, which guys aren't. But looking back at it, before we get to the Yamamoto conversation, looking back at it, and I know you've done a lot of podcasts about this, but now that we're only two months away from finishing off the regular season, like how, 
what's your like overview? What's your like takeaway right now? Is it what is it what you thought it would be when we hit middle of August? Yeah, I and I mean, first of all, I I know this isn't the question you asked, but I I've given you shouts out shout outs on multiple podcasts as well. Like I I could not have done any of this without you reaching out to me. So I just want to thank you for that. And oh, the baseball on. is in boring the group. Like- is, yeah, listen, this is an empire. <laughs> this is an empire. You you when you are you're going to get the corner office when we buy our building. So <laughs> I'm happy to be a part of it. It's I mean, like you've said many times. I mean, international baseball, that's like the pinnacle of seeing that baseball is not boring. None of it is boring. Huh. So, yeah, I think that when it when it comes to expectations, this is pretty much what I mean, I couldn't you honestly, you can't really ask for much more than what we've seen. You have we, we just start with Shohei Otani. Like everybody wants to talk about him. He's having one of the best seasons, maybe the best season of any player ever. And he was the center of the WBC. So um, obviously he's different than a lot of players. He's a workhorse in, a, in the sense that in a way that a lot of other players can't, um, can't do, but he, uh, I mean, he is the center of baseball. He's the center of the baseball world. And dominated the WBC. We saw a lot of players that maybe started a little slow to the season in the MLB season that picked it up later on in the season, Mm. or maybe some of the players that started hot, like we talked about, maybe like carrying that momentum from the WBC into the MLB season that have started to fade off a little bit. So I don't really think I'm not seeing one specific trend of like, oh, everybody's falling off at the end of the season or everybody started to uh, like had a slow start. Um, it, I, I, I'm i not really seeing any of those. trends. Yeah. There have been there's been some research done that's shown that if you take the average of all of the players that play in the WBC, there really isn't a correlation between like a dip in performance. So I've been pleasantly surprised. We haven't seen too many injuries this season and most of them have more or less been traced back to uh, like the pitch clock rather than the WBC. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 that's actually a change because I think that it was pretty well documented, especially with pitchers, that this was a problem with the WBC, especially early on. I mean, but as we've, as we've talked about a lot, the preparation of, and I remember David Robertson talking about this. It's, it's just different. Like it's a, it's the preparation and the ramp up was at a much better level this time around and um but yeah i mean it's you know i some guys i think it manifests itself in different ways i think you're right i mean well remember what what you said with adam jones when you had him on your podcast he was like last wbc or in in 20 because it was 2013 Hmm. he said that they had no preparation before it was just like a day before they were thrown out on the field together 2017 was different they actually had a couple of days before to yeah. kind of gel together and get to know each other and prepare warm amp up those arms so like earlier so hopefully as we learn how the wbc works every edition every three or four years we'll learn what's best for the pitcher's arms too and i think we're seeing that it's also that the uh, we we also saw a few examples of, you know, I, I'm looking at it from the Red Sox point of view. Yeah. It, it's interesting because it's all over the map. Like th- totally. maybe this is like the, the team that's a great microcosm of this, where you had Yoshida who has the big hits and everyone's like, oh, he's going to be a superstar and he's a good player. But you know, like, you're, you're like, he's, he's, he's a good player, 
Is he the guy that he was in WBC hitting cleanup behind Otani? Maybe not, but he's a, he's a good player. And it also, that's the guy to keep an eye on about wearing down. But that's not necessarily because of the WBC. That's because of the travel of the United States. There's a lot that goes into it. They play less games in NPB too. So. Less games, yeah. And, and, and they're very mindful of that. So that's one example. And then you have Kike Hernandez, who prioritized the WBC – and played a position, you know, didn't didn't once play the position that he was supposed to play for the Red Sox, which is shortstop, and and a play a position that he didn't have a lot of familiarity with, and he was yeah. expected to play every day, and he didn't play there at all. The WBC, he drops into the last week of spring training and go get him, and he had a horrifically bad defensive uh, effort at shortstop once you get there. So, and Alex Cora said this after the fact, maybe it would be best if he didn't do that at WBC. And then you have another guy in Jaron Duran who sat around for Team Mexico, literally sat around, wore a hat, <laughs> cheered on, on Pintran once in a while. And you're like, oh man, this is going to kill him. He's not playing in spring training. And I say, you know, like he's, he's taken off. So this, there's a lot of examples. So, yeah, it's, it's really like, uh, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, if you look at all of the players that have participated in the WBC, it's all over the map. Like it, it, it really, I'm not seeing much correlation between like everybody is doing better or everyone's doing worse or everyone's getting hurt. It's, I don't know. It's kind of a player by player uh, situation. Um, it's really cool to see players like Jaron Duran do well. Um, you, but then you have like another example, Randy Rosarena started out as one of the hottest players yeah. in MLB this year has died off pretty dramatically um, in the, in the second half, but still having a great season. So I, I, I don't know. I obviously I'm <laughs> pro WBC. I think we can tweak it and, and to be able to protect the arms. Cause I think that's what most people yeah. are most, most concerned about is the pitchers and it'll be fine. You, it's funny. You mentioned a Rosarena, you know, that was one of the things that we talked to uh, about Tampa getting off to this great start. One of the theories was that they had so many guys in the WBC and this was a benefit for them getting off to this great start. Well, now, and I'm not saying there's a correlation, but you're seeing like they're running on fumes a little bit. Is this a factor? All of it. And, and then you go into, I think with the, with the pitch clock, people are keeping an eye on this. All of this is new, but, yeah. but the, the, the guy that people are so worked up over. And when we looked at the WPC, sometimes when we're in it and a guy isn't immediately going to major league baseball, we don't pay enough of attention to that guy. We sort of do, but we don't. But now everybody's running to YouTube to say, hey, Yamamoto, what did he do in the WPC? What did he do against the major league hitters? Because, Sean, this guy is going to be – he is going to be uh, – other than Otani, he is going to be the biggest – I think the the oh, most yeah. talked about free agent in the market next year. Yep. I don't know if you agree. Rob, I – no, I completely agree. It's, it's pretty ridiculous. And I think that – Honestly, it's pretty cool. You might need to uh, fill me in on this, but I feel like the coverage of Yamamoto has been a lot more this year than we've seen with a lot of the top international arms in like, maybe like five, six, seven years ago. Um, and I think a big part of that is the WBC. But if you, I'll, I guess I'll put it this way. If you were to ask a lot of the 
Japanese media and Japanese content creators, anybody that covered the uh, Japanese baseball NPB uh, over the last couple of years, they would have told you that he was going to be Samurai Japan's ace in the WBC over Otani. Mm. The fact that they thought that he was their best pitcher over Otani, obviously Otani's having a, a great year, but he has for the last three years, maybe had the best three-year stretch ever in Japanese baseball history. He's won three. Sh- he has the potential to, he's won two straight. He has this year has the potential to win three straight MVPs, three straight Sawamura awards, which is the equivalent of the Cy Young and three straight tr- pitching triple crowns. And he's leading in pretty much all of those categories. Roki Sasaki's still leading him by a couple of strikeouts, but he's out for most of the rest of the season. So it will be um, Yamamoto. And we've never seen something like that in any league in professional baseball, let alone a top league like NPB. So he's going to, I, I mean, when he comes over, he's going to command top dollar, <laughs> only second to Otani, I think, in this offseason. Yeah, well, yeah, um, and rightfully so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But it's so you go back to what you said, maybe the most talked about or coveted, you know, pitcher, maybe, you know, other player. I don't know. I mean, it's like the because of everything you said and what what's the age? He's 20, 25, 25, 24, 24. Yeah. So that's another huge, huge aspect of this. Yeah. But think about all the guys that have come over. And I go back when the the the, the chaos that was Daisuke. Um, mm. But even then, like he had. Well, let me ask you this because I, I'm going back to like the 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 potential um, of this guy mm-hmm. Yamamoto and and maybe some of the things that they they hey is he going to be this good because when Senga came out last year and Senga's been really good this year but Senga there was like physical prop there was physical not problems there was physical concerns about him that's mm-hmm. that was circulating through baseball so with Yamamoto and you go back to Daisuke. Well, Daisuke, he threw a million pitches. He's been throwing professionally since 19 years old. They throw a ton. Is that is he going to wear down? For you, like when you look at Yamamoto and you say that he might be the most coveted, why is he the most coveted? And what is the reason why you say maybe he should or shouldn't be the most? Well, you already said why he should. But why? Yeah. What, what are some of the red flags? Are there any? Yeah. I mean, I think what I've seen, the biggest red flags are his size. I don't think he's too, he's very big. He's pretty short. Um, I, I like 5'10, 170 or so. So, uh, not quite as big as someone, for example, like Roki Sasaki, who will probably be coming over to, to, uh, MLB in a few years, but he's on the smaller end. But other than that, there's not much. There's not too many downsides. If you look at, if you just look at his numbers, he's just having a better, better seasons than anyone has in MLB, uh, in NPB. So, for example, like if you compare his numbers to Daisuke Matsuzaka, who was, like you said, the craze that was yeah. Daisuke when he came, when he was about to come over, he never had a sub two ERA in uh, NPB. And uh, Yamamoto hasn't had a in the ERA over two in the last three years. Like he's only had an ERA under two. Um, his strikeout per nine is consistently above nine. Um, he's his accurate, like his command and control, I think is probably his calling card because he's not like the fastest pitcher. He's not, again, Roki Sasaki throws 102, 103. I think Yamamoto probably tops out 98 
or 99, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, um, which is still great, but it's, uh, it's just his pinpoint accuracy. And, um, we've just never seen numbers like this. And so I don't know what his spin rates look like. I, I, I would defer to like Eno Saris for his stuff plus numbers, which he does have some numbers from the WBC on Yamamoto and a couple of the other Japanese guys. Um, but. Every every Japanese media member that you talk to has said that he's he's the best pitcher in Japan, like over Kodai Senga, over uh, many of the other guys that have come over in recent years. He's, he has better numbers than you Darvish did um, when he was in NPB. So he's the I mean, real deal. Yeah. So you're ta- when you were talking about Daisuke, then I'm thinking, okay, I think next up was Darvish, like you Darvish. And again, a big guy and uh, like a, uh, another big guy, obviously Otani, a big guy. Yeah. Um, but it is to to hit the sweet spot of 20, 24 going into 25. This is the biggest thing, Sean, man. Like this is why teams, yeah. it, anytime anyone gets into the free agent pitching market, it's, it's, it's a mess. <laughs> it just is. <laughs> they're all, they're always, almost always 29, 30. You're going to get a couple years, but you've got to commit to multiple years. You've got to commit to a long-term and now you're sitting there, boom. And um, he's a Boris guy, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, he's a Boris guy. So the so so that means money. Is there is? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Just uh, to educate our listeners, is there any restrictions when it comes to signing him? Yeah, so the NPB posting rules are pretty confusing. Um, if you've not seen them before, or if you're just used to like the MLB draft, um, which is pretty straightforward. When it comes to international players coming to MLB, the rule is you have to be at least, I think it is 25 years old or older by the mm-hmm. time you're posted, which he will be in a couple of weeks, I think. Um, and you have to be 25 years or older. And I think it's 10 years of service time uh, in that professional league, in an, another professional league that MLB recognizes as like a professional league. So obviously NPB, KBO, CPBL, they all count. He meets both of those, and yet he's still only 24 years old right now. So he has a long, long career ahead of him in MLB, assuming he he does come over, which everything indicates that he will. Um, I mean, he's at, at 24, 25. That's what age a lot of the older prospects are coming up in MLB anyways. And he's oh, already yeah. been performing at the top level of a top professional league. So has there been, has there, has there been, um, uh, has, there been scuttlebutt. Has he talked about this at all? Like, has he? Has there been like, hey, I, I'm. Has he like say, hey, I'm looking forward to play, pitching in the MLB? Like, we're all assuming this, right? Yeah. And this yeah. is safe, safe assumption, right? Oh yeah, he said he wants to come over. His his goal and his dream is to come over to MLB. I will say, since I don't speak Japanese, I haven't seen too many quotes on my own of what yeah. he said about coming over. I would defer to 
like at Yaku Cosmopolitan mm-hmm. on um, on Twitter and YouTube. He has fantastic coverage. One of my good friends has helped with a lot of my Japanese coverage. He posts pretty much everything that happens in NPB in English. So he he covers every single Yamamoto start. Um, but he had his plan for a while has been to come over to MLB. I think there were maybe like four or five scouts seen at one of his games recently or maybe like a month or two ago. But I can guarantee oh, most of the league is over yeah. there watching him. Yeah. How did uh what was what was your takeaway from his WBC performance? Um, I mean, he looked great. He was he was uh, again top like top of the WBC. The Japanese pitching was the best in the tournament. It was crazy. Like they had better pitching than the US, the Dominicans. Um, you, everybody wanted to see. We, and we can talk about it if you want later on in another podcast, Roki Sasaki, who will be coming over like 27. Oh, yeah. But he, everybody wanted to talk about him, but everybody forgets that Yamamoto has had better numbers than Roki Sasaki has had the couple last couple years. So um, he he had a couple really good starts. I'm trying to pull up his numbers right now because I'm not remembering who he started against. But um, it was that rotation was just like an all time rotation. We had Yamamoto, Roki Sasaki, Otani, and Darvish. Like Darvish was their worst starter of the three. Yeah, he didn't, the even, he, didn't, he didn't even start at the end, right? No, and Shota Imanaga, who also will be coming over to MLB probably this offseason. So it's it's pretty crazy. The Japanese pitching NPB is they're obviously a step below MLB, but their stars on both the offense and the pitching side are neck and neck with MLB. You got guys like Otani and Yoshida coming over and doing very well, Seiya Suzuki. So the fact that he's able to continue putting up those numbers year after year, like three years straight of a triple crown type numbers is absurd. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Well, listen, everyone's getting jacked up for it now, Sean. Like every everybody. Everybody's getting Like everybody, not especially the bad teams. Like, yeah. You, Listen, the Mets people, the best people love talking like some Yamamoto. Let me tell you. <laughs> Anytime that I tweet about Yamamoto, you'll see all of the replies and the quotes. They're like, he's a he's a Met or he's a Red or whatever whatever your favorite team is, insert team. It's like, oh, he's he's such a uh, a ranger. Like every single team is on him. So, like, okay, it's so give, me, give me the, give me the fan base. That, that's another fascinating part of your existence. Give me the, <laughs> cause you have the fan base that's coming at you. Give me the fan base that you feel like it's like understands how good this guy is more than any other fan base. <laughs> I think honestly, and I'm not even saying this because it's you, but I'm going to say the Red Sox. Really? Like, I think that there are a ton of, and maybe it's because of Yoshida, but people are paying attention in Boston now to a lot of Japanese baseball. Every time I post about Roki Sasaki, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, um, Munitaka Murakami, all like a lot of Red Sox Twitters all over them. So we'll see. Maybe can I? I'll give you a theory on that. Is that I think that most people in Boston understand that they have no chance at Otani, right? <laughs> I think everybody is is distracted by the Otani market. San Diego, Los Angeles, Nets, whoever. And the Red Sox couldn't get a meeting with a guy the last time. So they're like, okay, yeah. that's cool. That's cool. We'll we'll take this guy. It's all good. They're talking themselves <laughs> into it be, being okay. So <laughs> What do you what do you think about Yamamoto to the Red Sox? I mean, you have you're you're looking at probably nearing 200 million, which Yeah, I think over 
I, I, it's interesting because I think they, in the free agent market, they traditionally, or not traditionally, in the last few years, they haven't been willing to win a lot of battles in the mm-hmm. free agent market, with exception of Yoshida, right? I mean, they outbid everyone so much that that they didn't even get a Zoom call. But they, they think, that's the craziest part of this. A Boris, a Boris client said, no, oh, that oh, actually, well, we'll we we don't even have to do a Zoom call. We're not even <laughs> going to go to the other teams. We're just going to take this money and before it goes away. I mean, that's how much they went after this guy. And I and I I'm critical of them because I don't think they do that enough. Like they say, this is the guy we want. We're going to overpay for him. And mm. judging by a lot of reactions, you know, they a lot of the people thought they did overpay. As it turns out, they didn't overpay. It doesn't seem like they overpaid. The guy is a good player. He's a good yeah. player. He's 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 having a better Benintendi signed the same sort of deal. He's having a much better year than Benintendi. Yeah. So, um, but I think that they love Yamamoto. They love him. So I think that whatever you say, two hundred million, I wouldn't be surprised at all for them to say, "Hey, you know what? This is the guy we're going to allocate our resources to." Because here's another thing. With the Red Sox, not a ton of not a ton of um, pitching prospects coming mm-hmm. up, and they have, and, and so they got to fill out. And if they're if you're going to build it through free agency, like this, as we said, this is the way to build it through free agency. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field, and then I. Uh... I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it.